This is Troy Wagner. This is Eric Miller. We are Ravers for Recovery. Recovery. And if you're listening to this, so are you. you. How was your day? How was your week? We want to hear from you. Reach out to us by email, info at raversforrecovery.org. And go ahead and connect with others in recovery by joining our Facebook page. And always stay up to date with the latest news by visiting our website, www.raversforrecovery.org. And now, join us for this week's podcast. Today we do have a quarantined New York City DJ who actually has a live DJ uh, feed coming up, coming up soon. So, you know, uh, I met with her on Instagram and saw that she was in recovery and that she's still DJ, she's still on the scene. Uh, New York City, I'm sure it's very difficult there, but at the same time, there's a lot of recovery events that I know take place there, which, which is really good for recovery as well. So uh, thank you for joining us today, June. And welcome. Nice to be here. So just like to get a little bit of your story, you know, um, what brought you into recovery. And I know you've done some events with Chris Marshall's Sands Bar. I did see that flyer on one of your Instagram posts. So very awesome. We did do an interview with him. Um, one of our first ones. One of our first podcast episodes was with Chris Marshall. So, very cool. Um, Yeah, if you'd like to just give us a little bit about your history. Uh, Sure, thanks so much. Uh, It's awesome to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And I really, um, I'm so inspired by what you're doing by talking to people that are in the scene who are in recovery. And I think that that's, you know, when I came into recovery 14 years ago, I've been sober for 14 years. Um, I remember going to my first meeting and one of the reasons why I went to a meeting is because I was a DJ in clubs and I was also a promoter in New York City nightlife and I did not want to lose my job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that was my whole motivation Um, because I was, I was ending up in hospitals, I was, you know, just really, I was a mess. I was a total mess. I was 24 years old. I was just drinking. I was doing a lot of drugs and I was a mess. And I was starting to have this um, career that I had kind of never dreamed of, but it started to happen. And I was just really scared that I was going to lose it. And um, so I went into, you know, into recovery and I basically was like, how do I do this job and not like destroy it, you know, and stay and stay sober. So for me, like when when I I started meeting people like right away within my first few meetings that were bartenders or worked in clubs and they were sober, they were sober a long time. And that gave me so much hope, so much hope that I could like still do what I wanted, still do what I loved. But like, I could stay sober through it because I knew I had to get sober. Like that was, there was no question after a period of time. I mean, I I almost died. Um, I had a mild heart attack. Like it was a mess, you know? So I, and I was 24 and I was like, if if I don't do something about this, you know, I'm I'm not gonna survive very much longer. So, you know, 
it took me a while. It took me, it took me a few months to surrender to the idea of sobriety. And it was, it was really, really hard. I mean, being that young, I thought my life was over, you know, I was like, oh, it's over for me, you know, like no more fun, no more parties, no more, like, who's going to want to marry me? Who's going to want to like, you know, work with me? Like, I just thought, you know, like if you didn't drink or or do drugs like how could you have any fun like how could you really have a life and um because that was the whole basis for you know my my that's how I had fun that's actually how I got into this career because I was obsessed with going to the clubs and drinking all the time so and I got free booze constantly because in New York City nightlife if you're a pretty girl like you get into the clubs and you get free booze all night so that's what happened for me so I um I yeah but you know what like a year into sobriety I found myself at winter music conference I was throwing a party with the then almost famous boys noise and mm-hmm. um, wow Wow. I was, wow. yeah, yeah. I've worked with some pretty big people in my career, and like, and Boys Noise was just starting to get famous. And we did a party with him during Winter Music Conference in Miami, and I, I was a year sober, and I found myself uh, dancing on top of a table at four o'clock in the morning, stone sober. And I was like, well, okay, maybe my life isn't over. <laughs> you know? That's like, awesome. Maybe, maybe I can still have fun. Like when I left the club, it was the sun was coming up and we went to the beach and I didn't feel like I wanted to die, you know? And, and, um, I was 25, 26 at the time. And, and I, you know, we went back to the hotel and slept for a few hours and then got up and went to all the parties that night again. And, you know, and, and like stood on another table next to justice while they were DJing and like getting sprayed with water and sometimes booze. And I still stayed sober through it all. So, Life was not over. It was like, it was not, I mean, I've had more, I've had like the most incredible experiences in 14 years of sobriety than I ever could have possibly imagined. So I, you know, I absolutely did not need those things to like have fun or, or do what I'm doing now. So, um, that was, you know, I was never, I was never normal with, with drinking and drugs. It was, I was never like, just a little bit or it, it was always like I mean since I was as far back as I can remember as soon as I got my hands on it I was like you know usually blacked out within a couple of hours so I was never normal with it and um, yeah uh, that's it, it so. just it just came to a head really quick yeah so. that's that's awesome that's one thing that we that's the whole reason why last August you know, I began the Ravers for Recovery Facebook group. Um, I was a promoter in Las Vegas, you know. <laughs> I do have to say... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I just went to Las Vegas, like, and, and actually stayed there for the first time in October. And it's so funny, even though, you know what I said when I came back and I was talking to my friends or my boyfriend, and they were like, how was it? And I said, you know, even sober, Las Vegas makes you party. Like, <laughs> it was like four o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday night in Las Vegas, and Diplo was playing at a club. And at the I was, wind, at the wind, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. And yeah. I, I was, I was like, I was like, this is crazy. I partied my ass off for like a, a week, and I was 
completely sober. I felt like so hungover when I got back to New York for like another week, but I recovered. It was really fun. Was it was it really really difficult though at first to keep going to the clubs and everything? I'm sure it had to have been. Yeah, it was horrible in the beginning. It was horrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think one of the biggest social misconceptions, especially in the EDM scene, is that you need to have the drugs to experience the music, you know, yeah, no. and, and, and it is so absolutely not true, you know, but I think the young people, you know, when they see EDM and they, or they see Daisy Carnival, or they see, you know, they see, you know, okay. Burning Man and all this stuff, and, you know, they hear of all these other things. You know, and it couldn't be any farther from the truth that, that you need a substance to feel the music or to experience the music or to even have a good time, you know, because, and I, I was kind of curious when you said that you were, you were 24, I mean, was, was, was your addiction, was that something that took off because of the scene you were in or was that something that you had from... Uh, and earlier like earlier times before you got into that I mean uh, you know because like for me I, like, I didn't start until I was around 22-ish you know somewhere in that area but mine evolved with the social group the, in the clubs with the people before I even understood that it became a problem so you seem to be fortunate enough to find that at a younger age you know whereas I was a little bit farther down the road when that happened so I mean is that where, what's your take on that with the crowds that you see and and, and and the venues that you play at? Do you, I mean, because you have a kind of a vote, you kind of a vantage point to see things from where you're at. I mean, is it how's how's your how's your take on that for the younger generation that's coming up now? Do you see a difference in in the change that's going on, or is it more the old stuff that we've always seen? Right, right. I do think that there's a little bit of a shift because. Mm -hmm. Parties like Daybreaker in New yep. York and all over the country right now are wildly popular. I, I do think that there is a shift away from alcohol, um, and but unfortunately there is kind of more of a shift towards drugs at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of hallucinogenics and um, I forget, I, 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 I've been so... I've been away from drugs for so long. I don't really know what's what current popular drugs are, but what I know is like I've seen uh, like an increase in drug use, you know, at, like just sort of hallucinogenics um, because EDM and festival culture and life is so popular right now. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's counteracting that currently, which I think is amazing, is that more of these sober parties like Daybreaker are popping up and Sands Bar, we've done some events and and like spirituality is really cool and trendy right now, which yeah. promotes healthy lifestyle. So there's kind of, for me, like I'm seeing like there's still, um, you know, like a culture of people that are, are like young generation that are into drugs. I don't know if that's ever gonna change quite honestly. Right. And, then, and then there's like, the young part of that younger generation that is into health and wellness and like doesn't believe doesn't believe that they need that to have a good time. Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't. You know, the other thing that I wanted to mention is like within that first year of sobriety, I went to Coachella for the first time and I saw Daft Punk when they played, and it was the most incredible music experience I've ever had in my life. You know, like and I was 
I was completely sober during all of it. I felt like I blacked out for two hours. And mm -hmm. like when when the lights went on, we all looked at each other, and I was like, "Oh my god, I don't." I think I've been able to experience music more in my body because I'm sober. Right. You know. And so, how many how many years how much time do you have in recovery now? How how many years sober do you have? Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Yeah. And while you're at so uh, while you're at Coachella. Did you, by chance, attend any of the sober cello meetings? Go to their tent or anything? Uh, no, no. I was new in sobriety when I went to Coachella, so I don't know if that was even happening then. Okay. okay. Um, but you know, the the thing that made it easier when it was really hard in the beginning, like you mentioned before, like you asked me before, yeah. was it really hard in the beginning? Yes. It was really hard, but the thing that made it easier for me when I did have to work in the clubs, because it was my job, you know, um, it, I would invite sober friends to my party. I would invite people I knew in recovery to come with me to events like that, and it helped me to stay sober and strength, get through strength it. Strength in numbers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. just invite the people, invite your support network. That's why you have one. Right. Like, get people, make sober friends. I mean. The majority of my friends these days are all sober, and right. I, I wouldn't have it any other way because those are the people I want to hang out with, and those are the people that come to parties or events, and I just like having sober people around me. Yeah, cause that that was one of the, uh, uh, I think one of the the biggest adjustments for me, you know, was is that I went from I was kind of like you in the manner that. I didn't think I'd be able to have fun anymore. I didn't think I'd be able to socialize with people anymore. I didn't think I'd be able to be cool, uh, you know, or, yeah. or accepted. And, you know, to to have, to go from having all friends who were users of some substance or drinkers or, or you know, addicts of some kind to having nothing but sober people in my life was a big switch because, you know, they didn't laugh at the same jokes. They didn't do, do the same stupid things. Yeah. You know, there wasn't no, there was no nose diving off a table somewhere into a crowd. You know what I mean? There was, there was no more stupidity, really. You know, and uh, I found that being able to associate with the people who were around me with like minds, with the like goal set, made everything more enjoyable. Which really, which really helped me in my recovery as well as because it was, it reinforced the fact that I didn't need those things to feel accepted you know I, I didn't need those things to have a good time you know and I think that's the biggest message that we're trying to convey to you know our followers and stuff is that you can still go to these shows you can still have a good time you can still make memories keep memories and still remember those memories later on versus blacking out for periods of time and not knowing what happened it's all it's all about building the recovery boat to be bigger you know, um, that's why basically I started the Raiders for Recovery thing. Met Eric and IOP, which is really cool. Met him by giving him a piece of uh, candy that said just for they on it. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, but yeah, like, it's just about build, building, building a bigger boat, you know? Like, every Friday night, I've been joining the Insomniac Consciousness Group uh, Zoom call, which is really cool, you know? Um, over 10 people are on there. They're, uh, they're the group that goes to all the different music festivals and stuff. So, really cool, really cool. Yeah, they do something like 28 events, I mean, you Yeah, know. Harmonium, Harmonium, uh, which is like yes, the parent company, mm -hmm. the non-for-profit parent company, um, goes to about 28 different events. Yeah, so. worldwide, worldwide, yeah. So. 
So how I want to ask you a little bit of virus stuff. How is New York? How is how is um? I mean, I think the isolation for people right now is a bit difficult. However, I I was just talking to my sponsor the other day, just saying, you know, I'm really happy that I have a program. I'm really happy that I work a program because yeah. the isolation that we're going through isn't as bad as I thought it would be, you know, had I been in active addiction, you know what I'm saying? So how, how of New York of all places, the biggest right. hot spot in the right. world, how is that yeah. working for you there? How, how, is your, how is your program and your recovery helping you to adjust to the, the current events that are going on now? Yeah, thank you, such a great question. I, um, you know, I, I'm working on, uh, I was working this afternoon hence from home and um and i was working on uh i'm going to film a video tomorrow called three tips in three minutes for an event that a digital event that is coming out at the end of the month um with a company called women building women yep. and right on. one of the all three of my tips were kind of taken from working my program and uh or from program and uh spirituality meditation and self-care and you know, I was writing about spirituality and I really realized how much, you know, it's it's just saving my ass right now in the midst of all of this. I really think, you know, if you're somebody who's in the program um, of AA, you know, um, this is the biggest third step I've ever experienced. You right. know, it's like a, a massive third step right now. It's really like... I have to really take it one day at a time and really turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power every right. single day. But that really, having that relationship with my higher power has really been, um, I've been calmer than most people I know. You know, um, I, I, my meditation and prayer practice in the morning like really grounds me, really calms my nervous system down, helps to relieve a lot of the fear and the anxiety that I feel during this time, um, I, I'm just, I don't know how I would make it through this time right now if I wasn't in recovery. Like, right. I just really have faith that we're all gonna be okay. And because of that faith, it's it's really short-circuited, like my compulsion to like hoard stuff or, you know, buy two cases of toilet paper or, um, you know, be super productive or overproductive or whatever, it, you know, it's, it's like, it's just calmed everything down for me. And, and New York City right now, a lot of people I've heard just uh, use this word to describe it at the moment, which is hell. It's hell. Oh, God, you're in that hell. It's not hell. New York City is one of the strongest, most amazing cities in the world. And um, we are really handling this so incredibly well. Um, like, the mayor is really you know the city and the people and the mayor like and our governor like they're really doing i think an amazing job right now and um it is very quiet here people are generally staying inside you know um it, it's it it's it's just a different energy right now but like new yorkers are so strong and they we really when we go through a crisis like this just like the 9 11 we really come together and help each other and support each other during this time. But I gotta tell you, like the tools of my program have helped me more than I could. I just, I don't know how to do life without them. So um, it's 
making it, it's, it's making this very unmanageable, intense situation manageable for me, so. Awesome. Awesome. I do want to, I should, very unprofessional, another thing, <laughs> is that um, I just had an alert come up saying that this Zoom meeting we have, well, 10, we, we have 10 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's more or less is what it's saying. And um, I yeah. haven't uploaded my if Zoom account yet. If you don't have a professional account that you pay for yeah. every month, it will only give you about 40 minutes, I think, of free yeah. time. We're, we're going to solve that problem. Um, <laughs> I guess one last question, June, is where do you see the future of everything going now? Where, where for you uh, in the midst of all of this? Because... Obviously, this is going to change the structure of how we gather now and um, and how people who associate with other people in groups and settings, where do you see yourself in three years or five years with all of this? Where do you see the scene going and, and where do you see this taking recovery uh, as a whole uh, as, as the future moves forward in this, in this time of crisis? Yeah, I, well, honestly, I think that eventually we're going to get back to normal life mm -hmm. you know like everything will go back to normal we'll start having live meetings again we will have the economy will reopen and like things will go back to normal i think the only thing that is going to be different which i'm really excited about is that zoom or virtual um activities or events or meetings are going to be more part of our lives forward. I really think that this has been a blessing for the majority of us. Um, like all of us getting more familiar with Zoom. I've been using Zoom for a couple of years and it's oh, wow. incredible. It's been a, a great tool for my business. It's how I have meetings with most of, you know, the couples I DJ their weddings for and things like that. So um, I'm so happy. And I, you know, I know that a lot of meetings are going to start Zoom meetings. Um, they're going to keep having Zoom meetings after we go back to having live meetings again, which I think is just going to make recovery more accessible to people. Yeah, you know, I agree, you, I agree like, with that. I'm so excited, actually. I'm really, really excited that this tool has become more accessible to everybody, and everybody's been forced to really learn it right now because <laughs> it's, it's, right. It's, really, it's really going to change the way that we uh, interact with each other and have and, and just make everything, you know, dance parties, DJ sets, live recovery meetings, you know, family gatherings more accessible. It, it's going to make everything more accessible, but it's just going to become a part of our lives. I think that's what the new normal that everybody's talking about is is going to be. It's going to be that the new normal will just incorporate more virtual events like this or virtual gatherings like Everything this. happens for a reason. I, I, I think the same for the music scene also. I think the fact that, you know, you have virtual DJs and stuff now is going to really open up a lot of eyes for a lot of people to get to, to be able to experience in a small way uh, what it what the bigger event is is like and i think it's going to bring a lot of people together and, and i agree with you completely i think you know now we're going to see a lot more virtual uh technology uh, involved with a lot of things and, and and more importantly with recovery because i really think that's the way na or aa should go now i mean i think i think it, it, it opens up a lot of avenues for a lot of other people so yeah, I just think, I think it'll just become more a part of our, it'll just become another tool in our recovery, right? We'll be able to have more Zoom meetings and connect with people that way as well. I don't think, 
I want to say that nothing replaces live meetings. Like I don't want people thinking, you know, that this takes the place of a live meeting. Unless you're in an outpost, nothing takes the place of live meetings. You yeah. need live people, that type of connection, and the fellowship. But but to have Zoom meetings and have them be more a part of like our general lifestyle is, I think it's a, a, a great thing that's that's happening in the midst of all of this. Awesome. Well, I don't want it to cut off on you. Very, very, <laughs> extremely grateful for you giving us the time to get your story and meet you. You know, I hope that someday in the future we are dancing sober on top of tables. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely will be. I can't wait to like see your bus at a festival and, um, you know, it's a great idea. It's, it's going to be perfect for it. And, um, we're going to do a, a couple more events with Sandsbar once we get back to normal. So, um, awesome. hope you guys can come out sometime. Yeah, we have, we have a long list of people that we through this that we want to meet. I mean, we're so we're in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So I don't know if you've ever been here or not, but we're so yeah. isolated. We're not West Coast. We're not. We're on a plateau yeah. on a mountain. So we're really looking forward to meeting everybody and just kind of putting a face with a name and and you know yeah. being able to you know just sharing our experiences with people. Cause, I mean, we're not the end all be all. We're just another tool, you know, to yeah. to spread the message. So thank you, yeah. June. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Take care, you guys. Stay healthy and well. Really awesome. Thank you. You have been listening to another episode of the Ravers for Recovery podcast. I am Troy Wagner. I'm Eric Miller. And we are Ravers for Recovery. Recovery. And if you listen to this, you are too. Go ahead and join the Facebook group, which is growing quickly. You'll find that with keyword Ravers for Recovery. Also, make sure to check out the website. A lot of cool info on there. That's at raversforrecovery.org. Until next time, again, we are Ravers Ravers for for Recovery. Recovery.